church on the hill we are all about helping people to know God and to find freedom to discover their purpose and to play a role um, just another reminder there's no life track this month it will be back in January where you can learn a little bit more about those four pillars and figure out how you can play your role um, if you are new here this morning we are Super glad you're here. And so we would love for you to fill out the guest card in front of you. Uh, give us um, a little bit of your information so that we can follow up with you. We're not going to stalk you. We just want to know you. On the other side of that is a prayer card. Um, if there are any prayer requests or any praises, please fill that out as well. And you can put these cards in the offering boxes on your way out. There's another card there, too. Um, if you already know how you want to play your role or you want to get connected in a group or you want to get baptized or you want to know Jesus, you can fill that out, too. We want to know all that. You don't have to fill these cards out. We just encourage you to do so so that we can, I don't know, know stuff. Um, okay, so baptisms are coming up December 15th. We love baptisms, right? So... Um, that's coming up December 15th. Today was the last day for classes, and you already missed them. So, um, uh, but if you want to get baptized and you're like, oh, man, I missed it, we want you to get baptized too. And so there, um, you can, I'm, I'm just going to, you can email my dad. His name is Tim English. His email is tenglish at hillchurch.com. I'll give you your cell, his cell phone number later if you'd like me to. Um, I'm just kidding. But you can reach out to him if you, your kid, or your teen uh, wants to be baptized on December 15th, and he can figure that out for you, right? He's nodding his head. Yeah, he'll figure that out for you. Um, okay, so uh, kids, there's some kids stuff that I'm going to share. If you ever don't see me up here on a Sunday morning, it's not because I'm skipping church. It's because I'm downstairs with the kiddos, and we're having so much fun. And so um, Jessica started last week um, an opportunity for fellowship for families, which happens after this service at 12. I just need to take a breath. It's too much. Okay. After this service at 12 o'clock, down in Scotty's is just open play for our church family to be able to fellowship for your kids to be able to play and get some energy out especially as the weather is getting colder there's probably a little less park days so come to scotty's playhouse at 12 and just play and have fun and get to know some some people and families in our church community and then also this friday is a family movie night and it's at six o'clock in the foundry we would love for you to wear your pajamas and bring some sleeping bags or pillows it's not overnight but we're just gonna lay out on the floor and get real cozy and watch the Grinch and I guess it's the new Grinch I have not seen it but Jessica says it's amazing 
We're still kind of testing her out, so we don't really know what her taste is like, um, but we're hoping, I'm just kidding, but we're, that's, she's, she's a big fan of this movie, and uh, I'm sure kids are going to love it. I guess there's some, some like, rapping. I thought about rapping for you guys um, briefly in my brain, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, but come this Friday, 6 o'clock, in the Foundry to watch The Grinch. Uh, there will be popcorn, and the coffee shop will be open for adults, and it's going to be awesome. You don't even, I'm going to be there, and I don't even have kids. So, like, what are, just, we're just going to have fun as a, as a big family. Um, okay, okay, Christmas Eve. Yay! They're literally, like, my favorite services of the year. It's so much fun. And so, Christmas Eve, we have two services this year, 4.30 and 11 p.m., the 4.30, there is childcare available. The 11 p.m., there is not. They are identical services. I know 11 p.m. is late, but what better way to bring in Christmas than with your friends and family just rejoicing and celebrating and loving on Jesus, right? That's right. Cool. So mark your calendars, and I think that's it. So go ahead and stand up and greet someone around you.
dwell in your presence I will walk in your goodness Every good gift, every good gift is from you Amen, sing that I will dwell in your presence I will walk in your goodness Every good gift Every good gift is from you. Yes, it is. I will dwell. I will dwell in your presence. I will walk in your goodness. Every good gift, every good gift is from you.
so much and God I just want to say it again Lord you are good regardless of our circumstances you're good regardless of how we feel what our friends are going through what our families are going through Lord you're good on the mountaintop and you are good in the valley so God, thank you for sustaining us with your love, with your 
thank you for your grace. How many are glad for the grace of God in here? Lord, we thank you. God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would just meet the need of every heart in this place. God, the burdens that we carry, Lord, you know about them. God, some of them are deep, deep. But as much as we're able, God, as much as you can help us today, Lord, we just want to lay them at your feet. God, we know that you're big enough and that you are good. And so, God, we just give them to you and say, God, you got to take this. Lord, you're going to have to help us walk through this. And with your strength, with your love, God, with your grace, God, you're going to get us through. And God, we thank you for the goodness that you bring, God, every day. Everyone that's standing in this place, seating in this place, God, that's taking a breath, God, that's because of your goodness. And so, Lord, we just thank you today. We lift you up. We magnify you. We thank you for giving us the opportunity, God, just to stand in this place today, Lord, and praise your name. Amen, amen. He's with us. You know what? Think about that now, Emmanuel. The God who came to earth as well with us. Thank you, Lord. And one hope we hold this starlit night, a king is born in Bethlehem. Our journey long, we seek the light that leads to the high. just saying, 
I want my people so desperately to know of my goodness. Sometimes I partner more with Ashley on the the songs portion of the service based on the the message, and, and we didn't do that quite as much this time. And so as I heard all of these songs about God's goodness, knowing what this message is he put on my heart, uh, I just heard God say, I want them to hear it. And we can sing a million songs, and we can say it a million times, and it's never enough to encompass his goodness. And so God, I just, um, we take our moment right now to just acknowledge your goodness. And I ask that your goodness would pour over the hearts of every person here in every area of their life, God, that it would just be like a, um, just an anointing of your goodness. And God, I just thank you for the journey you've taken me on creating this message. And I just pray, Lord, that you would translate it to the hearts of your people, that we would leave today overcome by your goodness. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, today we are starting our Christmas series, and there's something about Christmas that we all just love. We've got the lights and the songs and the decorations, but I think one of the things that that we love so much about the Christmas season are these traditions that we have, these familiar things that we do every year. And when I was growing up, I loved tradition. My parents called me the queen of tradition. Because if we did anything, any time of year, more than once, it was a tradition for me. And I expected that it would happen over and over again. But as I've gotten older, I'm finding that I kind of resist tradition. And it's because I'm at this stage in my life and in my faith where I don't want to do anything or believe anything just because that's how we've always done it. I want to know with certainty that everything I believe and everything I do is what God intended. And so I'm asking a lot of questions and I'm wrestling with a lot of things and I'm doing more research. And so as I approach this Christmas season, I'm asking a lot of the same questions. Where did this come from? Why do we celebrate this? I mean, I know that Christmas is about Jesus's birthday, but we don't read about it in the New Testament. The early church did not celebrate Christmas. And so I began to do some research and I, I was surprised to find there's not like one answer of where Christmas came from. There's all these different ideas. And so I decided to just sort of let my spirit sit with it, sit with the birth of Jesus. And I began to ponder it in the context of the entire biblical narrative. And there was this element that kept rising up for me. And it's not something that tends to be uh, something we focus in on during this Christmas season. And yet for me, it was the thing God kept bringing me back to. And it's the fact that the moment Jesus entered into humanity, God fulfilled his promise. A promise that began in the garden. After the fall, God gave his first promise of a savior. And we read in Genesis 3.15, to the serpent, God says, from now on, you and the woman will be enemies and your offspring and her offspring will be enemies. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. There is this enemy striking us, this enemy coming after mankind, lying, deceiving, creating injustice and brokenness in the world. And so God's people lingered on this promise of a savior that would come and end it once and for all. And so this is what they waited on. And we read throughout the Old Testament that God continues to remind them of this promise and remind them that that he will fulfill it. But God's people waited a really long time, generation after generation after generation. And then we have kind of from the end of what we have recorded as the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, this time that we call the 400 years of silence. 400 years where God didn't even speak to the prophets to remind the people of this promise. And so it appears that in this long waiting, God's people had shifted their eyes off of God. 
and onto things in this world, onto the politics, on, into these religious cults, into all of these different, different things because they have lost sight of this promise that God had given them. And so ultimately when Jesus comes, people don't rejoice the way they should have. Ultimately, many if not most missed it. And I think that we can relate to this because waiting is not something we enjoy doing. This is why we hate the DMV. (laughs) Or you talk to a woman in her 38th week of pregnancy and we are simply not at our best. We are not patient people. When we're waiting on things that we don't have control of, it's hard. And depending on how much these these things we're waiting on impact our hearts, we tend to shift into these various places. We, We grasp for control or understanding. Or we might begin to manipulate things to try to create movement on our own. And if the waiting prolongs, that we might shift our focus altogether, giving up hope on this promise, on this thing that we're, that we're waiting for, and instead focus on other things to distract us from this thing that's so inactive. Because in the waiting, we feel things like disappointment and hopelessness and discouragement, and resentment, and if, and if there's um, injustice in the waiting, or if we've been wronged in the waiting, then anger can begin to rise up. But what I realized is that we spend our entire lives this way, because at any given moment, we are waiting on something. We're waiting for a season in life to finally end, or to start. We're waiting for healing, in our bodies, or in relationships. We're waiting for that that job to come along. We're waiting to meet that special someone, or we're waiting to start a family. We're waiting for dreams to, to come alive, or callings to be activated. We're always waiting on something. But here's what I realized. These things that we think we're waiting on are not actually the things that we're waiting on. What we're waiting on is for God to move. What we're waiting on is for God to do something. Because God is the author of our story. He holds every moment. And we read in Romans 8:28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, God is working all things out, but we tend to miss it. Because if you're anything like me, we almost can't help ourselves from writing out the story in our minds. Creating these narratives narratives of how and when things will and should happen. But what happens when we write these narratives in our minds is that we spend our lives not waiting on God to work out his perfect plan, but we spend our lives waiting for God to come through on our plans. We end up claiming his promises and applying them to the stories we have written. We're often waiting on God to show up in places that we think he should, and even in the limitedness of our minds, we could not fathom why he wouldn't. But we're ultimately waiting for God to show up in places he never promised that he would. For instance, Jeremiah 29, 11 is this very popular scripture. We all love it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. We like that. We like this idea of a good life and and a hopeful future. But I think, though, unintentionally, the way we read this is as though God is coming and saying, hey, now that you're mine, all those plans you have, I'll make them good. Oh, you'll have a future with those plans. But that's not what God is saying. What he's saying is that his plans for you are good. His way is good. His timing is good. His purpose is good. God promises to fulfill his plans. 
But what he doesn't promise to come through on are the various ways that we have taken his word and applied it to plans we have made. And so when we're not surrendered to his plan, then when disaster seems to come along, we doubt him. We question him. We might even turn from him. Because let's be honest, these seasons of waiting are hard. And we often don't see God at work and we don't feel God at work. And so we begin to lose hope and it's in these moments that we then turn from trusting God's promises to controlling and manipulating and shifting our eyes off of him. And yet God is working out his plan and his plan is good. Because remember, Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise. And his birth reminds us that God is a God that does what he says he's going to do. But like Jesus, it may not happen how or when we think it should. In fact, there's these long seasons of waiting in our lives where we don't see God at work. And we don't feel him. But the reality is he is working all things out according to his perfect will. So then this morning, the question that that we're asking is, okay, then how do we wait on God? So again, as I was pondering this Christmas story, I found that there are two characters that model this for us beautifully. When we think about the Christmas story, there's these characters that we always kind of zone in on. We've got Mary and Joseph and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men. And we have like this picture that there's like this barn and it's freezing outside, but it's warm in there. And Mary's lying on a pile of straw and she's got baby Jesus. And there's these submissive barn animals that are bowing down and the shepherds are there and the wise men and glory, glory, hallelujah. And that's like this picture that we have. But in reality, it's It says that the shepherds came and saw Jesus lying in a manger, but the wise men didn't show up for a few years. And before they entered the story, there are two people that we read about in Luke's account that show us what it looks like to wait on God. So in Luke chapter 2, we read that Mary and Joseph had brought Jesus to the temple for his purification and to offer the required sacrifice. And this took place about 40 days after Jesus was born. And it's at the temple that they meet a man. And we read starting in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When his parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So Luke says that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. See, the Israelites, God's people, had had suffered greatly from their own sin and from the oppression of others. And they were desperate for consolation, desperate for a comfort, a comfort that can only come through this promised Savior. And so they were waiting. And God had given a special promise to Simeon that he would not die before he saw this Savior. And so Simeon was waiting on that promise. He was in the temple serving God, expectant to see this promise be fulfilled. And because of that, he was postured in such a way that he was moved by the Holy Spirit, in tune to the Holy Spirit, to see that this poor couple with this tiny baby was the answer they had all been waiting for. And Simeon was not the only one that God chose to reveal himself to. As we continue reading in verse 36, 
It says, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna's life had not gone how she had expected it to. She was only married seven years before her husband died. And we don't know if she had any children, but what we do know is that when her life took a turn that she didn't expect, she responded by setting her eyes on God and trusting him to continue writing her story. It says that she never left the temple, but she worshiped day and night, praying and fasting. Anna was waiting for God to redeem her life. And she too was waiting with expectancy, trusting that God would come through for her. And because of this, she was also moved by the spirit to recognize the fulfillment of this promise. So then when we look at these two people kind of woven into the Christmas story, I think we find our answer to what it, what it looks like to wait on God. And that is to wait with expectancy for God to come through on his promises and to trust in his plan and will for our lives. Simeon and Anna were at the temple day in and day out, worshiping him, praying to him, serving him. Their eyes were not focused on anything else. They were not giving in to the politics and the religious cults and these other ways to manufacture power and hope like so many of God's people were. They were simply at the temple in the presence of God, worshiping him, praying to him, serving him and trusting him expectant that God was going to fulfill this promise. And because of it, they saw when God moved. Now, I am not suggesting that we all quit our jobs and just come to church and sit and wait for God to show up. Because we don't have to come to a building to be with God. Because God fulfilled his promise through Jesus because he came, because he died and was resurrected. We have the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We become the temple. And in fact, this is part of the promise that was fulfilled through Jesus. Matthew references this promise from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 7:14 through an angel who came and told Joseph who this baby Mary was carrying truly was. And the angel says to Joseph in Matthew 1, 20 through 23, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, Emmanuel was not his name. His name was to be Jesus. Emmanuel was who he was, God with us. And Emmanuel is who Jesus is for us, God with us. God is with us in our waiting. We don't have to wait for some final moment for God to show up. He's with us in our waiting, working all things out for good. We get this gift of Emmanuel, God with us. And so we have to do kind of the same thing, that, that etch-a-sketch approach where we just kind of shake our mind out and allow God to come in and redefine. Shake away every way that we have manufactured these stories written out these narratives of how we think God's going to show up or how we, we expect him to, how we can't imagine why he wouldn't. And we simply have to come and allow God to show us his will, his perfect plan. Because we don't want to miss it. And Simeon and Anna did not miss it because they were postured before God, worshiping him, 
praying to him, serving him, and trusting him to fulfill these promises. And so that's why this Christmas season is so important. Wherever it came from, whoever established it, the reality is is that we take this time every year as God's people to remember that Jesus was born. God fulfilled his promise because that is who he is. A God that fulfills his promises. And so we, we claim that truth as we remember the fact that Jesus was born. And we claim it over every season of waiting that we walk through. Even when we don't see it or feel it or see God at work. Because the reality is waiting is not easy. And sometimes it's brutal. Sometimes in the waiting, it is so painful to our flesh. There is sacrifice required, but it doesn't have to be hopeless, and it doesn't have to steal our joy. God's ways are good. Even if we don't feel it or see it, he is always good. But he will not, he does not promise to come through on plans we write him into. And so we must be so focused on who he is that we don't allow ourselves to lose sight. We must remember that these plans are written by the almighty God, author of heaven and earth, creator of the universe, a God that has this great plan that he chooses and to write us into this story, to play our role. It's that plan that he will move forward. And that is the plan that we must set our eyes on, trusting and expecting that he will move forward that plan. And it's in this posture that we choose to be used by God rather than use God to move forward our plans. When my kids are feeling hopeless or discouraged or confused, all of these things that we feel in these seasons of waiting, when things don't make sense, because there are often times where parts of God's plan, parts of God's story, it doesn't even make sense to us in the context of what we know God to be. And it's confusing. And we feel lost and we feel hopeless and we feel discouraged and we want to grab hold of him, but we're not even really sure how to do that because this does not seem like God is at work. The waiting is long and it doesn't make sense and it's painful. So we feel discouraged or we feel hopeless or we feel doubtful or overcome. And when my kids get to this point, I will often get down to their level, get with them, And I simply say, look in my eyes. And they'll often turn their head even further, resistant, but I just say it again, look in my eyes. And it's in that moment that I say whatever needs to be said in the moment. You did amazing. I love you no matter what. I know it hurts, but it's going to be okay. Or simply, I know, baby, but I'm here. And it's in those moments that they, they lock eyes with me. And they fall into my arms because they know that I am steady. And that I love them. And that despite whatever they're going through, I'm not going anywhere. I will always be with them. Because they trust me. And the same thing happens when we set our eyes on God, on our Father. Everything else melts away. When we look him in the eyes, we keep our focus on him. And he says, I know, baby, but I'm here. I know it hurts, but I'm good. Trust me. I'm constant. I'm never wavering. I'm always at work we keep our eyes locked on God, trusting and expecting for him to move forward his perfect will. Not our story. We don't understand 
There's so much we don't know. And so we have to trust him. And we have to let his goodness cover everything in order to stay focused. And the world needs us too. The world needs to see God's people wait upon him with trust and expectancy. When everything else seems chaotic, we stand in peace. When everything feels hopeless, we stand expectant. Because ultimately every person is longing for Jesus to enter into their humanity. And they don't know that, but we do. And so we, we commit to waiting on God, no matter our circumstances, no matter what we're waiting on. And there are a few people in my life who have modeled to me what it looks like to wait well. That no matter the circumstance, no matter what they're waiting on, no matter how many turns in their story don't make sense, they wait upon the Lord. And there is one person in particular who has modeled this to me beautifully. That no matter what happens, he has always said, that is a God problem. This is God's story. This is for God to work out. We are simply submitted to his plan and his purpose, even when it doesn't make sense. Ashley introduced this song a few weeks ago and it was perfect timing for me because I was waiting on something. Something I thought for sure I knew how God was gonna come through. And so we listen to the song on repeat every day to school, kids are singing it. God, you are a way maker. You are a miracle worker. You are a promise keeper. You are light in the darkness. That is who you are. And then things took a turn that I did not see coming. And I was confused. What are you doing, God? Where are you? Why aren't you moving in the waiting like I thought you would? And all I could hear was the bridge to this song. Even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, God is working. He is working all things out for good according to his great purpose, his great plan. And so I must submit every story I write in my mind with the best of intentions and just simply come before God, set my eyes on him and say, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where you are, but I don't have to because I'm a child of God, which means I get to fall into the arms of my father who knows what's best for me, who's writing my story, who's choosing to include me in his great plan. And it's that posture that we live as God's people. And so we remember that Jesus came, he was born, God did what he said he was going to do and he always will because that is who our God is. So this Christmas season, that is what we focus on. Our God that is a promise keeper, a miracle worker and a way maker. So I'm gonna ask you to stand up and sing this song together. And when we get to that bridge, I want you to claim these truths specifically to whatever it is you're waiting on.
darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, one more time, say, we make miracle work, promise keep, hide in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, there's no one like you, Lord. We make miracle work, promise keep. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Yeah. Oh, I'm out of breath. Because sometimes you have to scream that to remind yourself. And Christmas is a beautiful season, and there are a lot of traditions, but it can also be very painful. And it seems at this time of year, a lot of the pain surfaces. A lot of those things we're waiting on just feel more tender. And so my prayer for you is that you enter into this Christmas season reminded of God's goodness, reminded that he is with you in your waiting as he's working out this great plan in your life. Father God, I'm asking that right now you would bless every person in this room and every person watching online. May your spirit just fall upon them God, may your goodness fall upon every broken, doubting, confused, hopeless place in their hearts. And may we just remember that Jesus came. You fulfilled your promise because that is who you are. And you will do it for us again and again. So God, may we walk with a confidence and walk with a hope that we did not have coming in. Because we have been reminded of your goodness. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys are dismissed. I see it to work in